Hello, science fiction nutters. It's uh, Baron and the Doc here with episode 53 of That Reminds Me Of. Today we're talking about the sci-fi extravaganza of a lifetime, Dune by Denis Villeneuve. Part one. Dune part one. Part one. And... Folks, if you haven't seen this show before, this is the show where we watch films and shows. We talk about those and the things that we were reminded of while we were watching them. And there are spoilers. So, June. June. I've been waiting for this film for a long time. You've been waiting all your life. You you were um, big on the books as a kid, weren't you? Not as a kid, but uh, in my 20s at some point, mm. I read at least the first book. I don't know where I stopped. I stopped somewhere, but I really enjoyed what I read. The story stuck with me. Um, I've seen the, um, the crazy 1980-something June <laughs> and appreciated it, but Villeneuve is my boy. I've been yeah. waiting for this for this to come. Because he's such a great director. So you've loved him all along? Yep, all along. Okay. Well, I can't say all along. I've looked at his back catalogue and he's got... There's some films that I haven't seen. But back in 2010, I was at Scream Fest. Mm -hmm. This uh, little festival in uh, LA for horror nuts. I had a short film in there. And a little short film called Next Floor popped up and blew me away. It was just, at that point, the best short film I'd ever seen. I even bought it on iTunes. That's how much I liked this thing, right? Did iTunes exist in 2010? Yes. Okay. And then I discovered this. it was made by a guy called Denis Villeneuve. And next thing I know, Prisoners is coming out. uh, And then that was closely followed by Sicario. And then we had, what do we have after Sicario? Arrival. Hmm. And on it goes. And just each film is bigger and more epic and grander than the last. It's been quite a ride. I've really enjoyed it. I think what you come to this new Dune film with is as important as talking about the film, yeah? Because there's so much baggage, be it Villeneuve, or as whenever I hear him talked about, people always call him Denis, as if yeah. they're just, you know, they, they love using his first name because it sounds so so wonderfully French. It sounds French. great, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I would normally call him Denis as well. I think that's great. Let's well, do let's, that. Let's go with let's Denis. switch to Denis. Denis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't followed his work really, but my entry into this was the fact that I love Lynch, mm. love David Lynch, and have always wanted to watch his version. And it's the only film of David Lynch's I've never watched because I thought I've got to I've got to read the book first. Yeah. So this is important to me because it made me cram and read the book. <laughs> Then watch. It's not a small book. It's either. not a small book. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that, I, I listened to it on audiobook while I was reading, and I listened to it in double in double time. So I was like, oh, was like wow. the chipmunks what reading that like? June. That sounds terrible. Is <sighs> mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Really? It, like mind blowing good or mind blowing bad? No, mind blowing. Just the amount of concentration you've got to mm. put into it in order to take every. I bet. Take everything away. It's quite a complex novel. Yeah. Um, but then I, I needed to watch to read the book in order to watch Lynch's version mm. in order to see this film. So I really have crammed myself with, you know, Juneology. So much to talk about. That's There's awesome. So much. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It kind of reminds me of the film itself. There's so much to take in in this film. Mm. 
there, there really is. It's two and a half hours getting, feeling like it's getting on three. I don't think it's quite three, but it's a long film and there's a lot in there. Mm. And yet you get to the end of it and you just know there's so much more to come. And when I went into this film, because I don't like to research films, I just, mm. you know, I, for me, it's like, I know it's coming. I like the people involved. That's enough. I don't need to, I don't need to go online and geek out on all the details and kind of ruin it for myself. I had no idea that this was Dune part one. Yeah, well, I, I was I was going to start talking about this at the end because yeah. you're talking about the ending now. But mm. why don't we start there? Let's start at the end. Start at the end, and it's very clearly June Part One. It says June Part One when, when the film starts. When the film yeah. starts, but that's so ambiguous because June is a series of of books. Correct. Um, first, you've got the Her- the Frank Herbert ones, and then you've, it continues after that. Yeah. So there's a an absolute enormous universe to explore. This is June part one of book one. Of book one. Yeah. Now yeah. I would have, I don't, I don't like spoilers, but I would have liked to know that going in. I would have liked to know that going in too. Yeah. It took me by surprise. It did. Yes, and and I thought it was a, it was an anticlimactic surprise. Mm. Uh, we we'll, we'll talk about the whole whole film, and there is a lot to love about the film. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the ending. I don't know why we're talking about this at the start, but the 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 ending sort of left you wondering. And okay, well, okay, it, that's fair enough, but I didn't expect that. Yes, yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's go back to the start then. Yes, I think please. this film needs a synopsis. Yep. Um, we need to say hi to Sal. <laughs> we do need to say hi to Sal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> hey Sal. How you doing, buddy? Hello. I was just going back to the old days. I know. Pre, the pre-sal those those dark pre-sal days. Yeah, it's it's a whole new world. Um, we probably need to talk about the things that happen right before the even title of the film rolls. You know, yeah. there's a lot to get into. But shall we just, as a starting point, mm. read the crappy Warner Brothers synopsis so people know what this film is. I think you're just the man to read the crappy Warner Brothers synopsis. Great, great. Here's one I prepared earlier. (laughs) A mythic and emotionally charged hero's journey, Mm. boom, Dune tells the story of Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, who must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode, this is terrible already. As malevolent ex- forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, unobtainium, not sp- uh, spice, a commodity capable of unlocking humanity's greatest potential, only those who can conquer their fear will survive. Wait, but did it say unobtainium? No, that was my <laughs> okay. uh, little addition. <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> That's from Avatar. Avatar, Spoiler yeah. alert for one of my reminds me ofs, but we'll get to that. Okay, cool. I hope you got yep. more reminds me ofs than me today. I haven't got many. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the films, the stuff that became came before it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. So um, that doesn't tell you very much. You know, really, we've got Paul Atreides mm. is the hero of, of Dune, at least the first book or so. I don't know if that changes at some point. Mm. He's kind of comes from a family on a planet in a Star Star Trekky style universe where there's everyone's humanoid and they're all on different planets and they're part of a 
Star Wars-y like empire. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a mix of things going on there. And he's been, he's, him and his family have been charged with looking after this planet. Um, I've forgotten the proper name of it, but June. Arrakis. Arrakis, that's it. Arrakis, June, desert planet. Like it's, <laughs> there you it's go. set in the books with quite, you know. Oh, nice. You know, um, gravitas. This is heavy shit we're getting into. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it has the unobtainium, the spice on it, the the precious resource that everybody wants. Mm. And, of course, there's lots of pol- politics involved. Everybody wants a piece of it. And they're taking over what used to be the fiefdom of the Harkonnens. Harkonnens or Harkonnens, depending on your... How you want to say it. How you want to say it. And they are some badass kind of uh, 1984 Viking-type dudes um, <laughs> that, that, that are nasty and aren't going to let go of that planet easily. And, of course, there's the Fremen who live on Dune. They're the... Uh, the, the natives, the natives, of, uh, the natives of June, and the thing that the thing, thing that strikes me is you've presented it all very, very simply that they are the players, mm. but the mind games that all those players play with each other, yeah, is is one of the features a of the novel, but I think it also does come out in in Denis' film as well. So like the the fact that the Atreides are are going in to to rule June. Um, they, you know, they're they're very noble, and they think that's a great thing to do. But really, they're being tricked by everyone, and they're mm. falling into a trap. So right. there's, there's all this, the politics and the undercurrents yep. that uh, that lie beneath Absolutely. the sand. And, and then there's the worms also lying beneath the sand, which is another whole so threat. Classic fantasy novel stuff. You, you've got your young hero with a promise of magic and greatness. Um, you've got a very dangerous world in which he lives, and you've got these monsters with, um, with the, with the worms, and this sort of underworld versus the people in power and those who are the underdogs and trying to fight back, and you know it's all happening over many many novels, and they got to mm. try and squish this into a, a, a film and have it all make sense, which is a huge challenge. It is a huge challenge, which is why people bag out the Lynch film. And why nothing was done for so long about Dune, um, and it was always claimed to be the impossible film to make. I'm not sure what order to do this. This, yeah. in, but can we talk about pre Denis? Yeah, for a moment. So, please, you've got you got the books. Did you love the books though in your twenties? I did. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. They were really great books of what I read, and I can't remember where where I, where in it all I stopped, but it was great. But you've just got the vibe that you love yeah. this world already, totally, and you know about it. Yep. Um. And and the Lynch version. What 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 did you think? What are the 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 menu of emotions that you felt? You've seen on, it more recently. on eating that. I I I enjoyed it at the time. I had no mm. problems with it. I thought it was goofy and ADZ in its in its way. But I, I I think I was pretty young when I saw it, and I and I thought it was great. Um, I even enjoyed uh, ri- the ridiculous sting fighting scenes. Um, it was just all fun. I don't think because um, I've seen it very recently. I yeah. don't think the sting fighting scenes are the most ridiculous sting <laughs> okay, scenes. Cool. What else is ridiculous? There's this scene where he comes out with virtually nothing on, really lithe and slim and, yeah. and sexy, yeah, um, oiled up, and just poses there for like about thirty seconds. And and the, why not? I'm sure the the Baron. The other Baron, yes. sorry, Baron Harkonnen or Harkonnen, um, 
is eyeing him off and thinking, oh, there's a nice piece of meat and Sting's just sit, you know, standing there opposing for him. I was thinking about this. Is Sting the Batista character? No, no. no. Although okay. I thought that initially. Um, so the Sting was the character Fade, Fade, what's his name? Um, Rauther, Ra- Fade Rauther. Okay. Router or something. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, Baron Harkonnen has two nephews. Right. One is the Bautista character. Yep. And the other, I assume, will come in Dune Part 2. Yep. Is the Sting character. And the wow. Sting character is the sort of the the more relevant one. Okay. So here's an early reference. Yeah. Something that I was reminded of. Edie and I have been watching a show called C on Apple TV. Ah, uh, with Jason Momoa. Momoa. And, and Batista. And Batista, yeah. Right? But you get the whole... So the the cover, whatever, yeah, the poster yeah, image. Yeah, looking at each other. Them looking at each other and like screaming. Yeah. And so you're thinking season one is going to have the two of them fighting. Batista's like not in season one at all. Or if oh, he wow. is, he comes in in like the last episode. And so you're watching this whole thing thinking this is what it's all about. Yeah. And then you just like, wait, wait, when is he going to arrive? When is Batista coming into this scenario? And he's right at the end. And there's a lot in this film that's a bit like that, you know? Mm. Zendaya, barely yeah. in the film, aside from these dream flashback moments that are happening. In the film, flash just, forward. In the film just enough to make you want to see part two. Yeah, exactly. And then she appears right at the end. Yep. Um, and then Batista's the same. Like, he's in it. But he's got such a minor role and you know he's going to come around in, in, in part two in a much more prominent way. Mm. So I thought that was interesting just to see the same thing play out with those two actors as well in there. Yeah. Mm. So can, can we just take a bit of a poll here? Yeah. Did we like it? You, you're, you're pretty enthusiastically nodding. Yeah, you I loved it. it. I, I, you know what? It's not my favorite Denis film, but mm. I loved it. At the same time, I loved so much about it, and yet there were things that I was were was a little bit frustrated with. Yeah. They're the things we've talked about, really. But aside from that, there's so much to love in this film, mm. and I've seen it twice at the at at the, at the cinema. So, yeah, that's crazy. I'll probably see it again soon. <laughs> you know what I mean? What about you? Uh, I, I loved it too. I loved it. I think more as a almost a student of adaptation. Yeah, and just the, I lo- I really loved how he adapted it, how faithfully he adapted the novel. Mm. Um, but for that reason, I'm actually interested in more so in the experience for people who haven't read the novel. So in in one respect, I I regretted having read it because mm. I was I was seeing it all having freshly read the novel and really comparing it at every stage. So I want to know the ex- yeah the experience if you haven't read it, and I think we have just the man here. Yes, I don't okay. think I don't think Sal's read. June. Sal? No, no, I didn't read it. No, no. So, what I can say is that he, I think he takes his time. Sometimes it was very slow, but it's, it's like he's got the opportunity to take his time to explain everything. He's not mucking around with, okay, I got two hours to introduce five. Uh, hmm people and so I need to rush in things this is why sometimes maybe it, it look a bit maybe slow but I understand that he is not he doesn't want to rush yeah he takes his time because he, he he's got this privilege to have his time 
And I like it. I did like it. But mm. I'm, I'm like uh, Alex. I did want to see again. I want to go yeah. back at the cinema and watch it. Is that because you didn't get it? Because I, I was just, I just was watching it, wondering if someone who didn't already know the characters would would just follow it and understand it. So, like, did it make sense to yourself? Uh, yes. Yeah, but it's sort it's, of, it's, sort of. <laughs> it's uh, it's the entire story, and that's that's why I want to go. Or probably also because it's so visual, and that it's actually a pleasure to watch. So, oh, absolutely, why. visuals resonated with you, Baron <clears throat> Oh my von Hoff. god, that's what that's what Denis is all about for me. You know, <laughs> like just in terms of. It's not just the visuals. It's actually every directing choice. Mm. What I love about them is that it's all so stylish. It's all, as far as I can, as as I'm concerned, it they're all perfect choices generally mm. um, in terms of visuals, VFX, yep. sound design, scoring, casting, like across the board, you know, you're in like the safest hands. This guy's going to make great choices. And you're going to come away from it feeling like you've experienced something like really cinematic. That, that That's so perfectly put, perfect choices. Mm. I felt that's how I watched the film as just a one after another of perfect choices. Yep. I just thought, yes, that's how he should have adapted that bit. Yep. Just, and it was one after another. But the, the problem for me was that I ended up almost watching it in that technical way just marveling at his prowess rather than getting absorbed in the actual film. That's why I needed to go back and see it again. Mm. A bit like what Sal was saying. I needed to I needed to get past that initial shock and awe of it, I guess, you know, and just yeah, watch yeah. just sink into it for a second time. I did pick up more on the second viewing of of the story. And also, we saw it the first time in a big cinema with a big sound system. Yeah. And it was actually quite hard to hear some of the dialogue at times. It was like a classic, well, Interstellar, Hans Zimmer um, was, and Christopher Nolan were kind of given some crap for this, like making the score so big that you couldn't hear the dialogue half the time. Yep. There was a bit of that going on. Second time around, I saw it in a smaller cinema, didn't have the problem at all. I could hear uh -huh. everything. So there's a sound mix issue with those big cinemas, you know, I think with this kind of scoring. Second viewing, I just absorbed so much more of the film, I think, because I was able to just get past that, that the, just the constant barrage of amazing images that's, that comes at you with this film. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't the scale fascinating? Just, just the, the feeling that you are in this big world. You, you never feel like you're in some little set. Right. Like it's this enormous world and uh, never feels really fake. It feels like you're there and that it's... Big. I, yeah. I really was impressed by by that. It's beautiful. All yeah. of that. The world building in this is is in, mm. is incredible. And you know, one thing I noticed, it's a little bit of a like I was saying. You get it with Star Trek. You get it with Star Wars. You get it with Game of Thrones a little bit. Like this, this borrowing of of uh, cultures from Earth that mm. we all recognize, and then just kind of like planting elements of them in there. So like House Atreides feels very much like uh, Celtic yeah, yeah. Um, peoples, right? And and there's all of that placed in there. It looks like they're in, they're in Scotland or somewhere, mm. um, you know, Highlands somewhere on their land. And there's even like little ruins and sort of 
you know, stone artwork that, that feels in line with that world. And then you go to Arrakis, I keep Arrakis. forgetting the name of it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you, you feel like you're in the Middle East all of a sudden and it's got a bit more of a, I don't know, Mesopotamian slash Egyptian vibe to it. And it it's just all those details are handled so beautifully. And I can remember reading it, the book and, and mm. feeling some of that, but it doesn't trans translate necessarily through to all those images. And I think what we get in this is like this beautiful bringing through of like all those, those images and those cultures come through. It's great. Yeah. And the, the trouble is of course, in today's hypersensitive world, yeah. a lot of that is loaded. Yeah. You know, uh, post nine 11 with the, um, the sort of the, the Fremen, depicted as, you know, the Middle Easterners. Yeah. Um, and then this sort of white messiah comes in to, <laughs> yeah. to take control of them and they all just follow him. Yeah. Um, and the language, of course, is very Arabic. Um, yeah. So I, I think uh, that's a, a fine line that um, Denis walks. He does. I, I, th I think he does a pretty good job. And I think it'll we'll probably see that resolved with some, I'm not sure about clear messaging or not, yep. but... I think once we see the second one, uh, we'll we'll get pros and cons that sort of balance out. Okay. Yeah. Couple things on that note. Clever to have the men and the women wearing the same garb. Mm. They have their faces covered the same way. Um, you know, it's not just the women, so that sort of avoids that kind of cultural thing mm. that's a, a bit of a hot topic. Um, but then also they have technology that's better than the the yeah all these you know families or houses that are coming in and supposedly ruling the land like they're better equipped on many levels so i've, I've heard him say that it's like a, a love letter to that middle eastern culture yeah really yeah so uh, and but but also that he was conscious that he's got to walk that line mm. yeah well that brings me to a point that i wanted to discuss and it's Please. one of my reminds me of that i mentioned earlier is avatar and what i got from this both times i watched it but really strongly the first time in the in the big cinema mm. was that avatar effect. Did you ever hear about that? The avatar effect? No, I don't know the avatar effect. So the avatar effect was when that film came out, there were people all around the planet mm. that fell in love with that world. They wanted to go live there <laughs> and go native. That was the whole thing, right? And it's even referenced in this film. Someone says to to Momoa's character, "Oh, you've mm. gone native," because he's so in love with the um with the with the Fremen and their way of life. Yeah, and it's a real thing, you know. People in our society now, in this day and age, see a culture living so in tune with the land, and they want it. They want to. They want in mm. hard. And Avatar did that to people. There were people that wanted to go off and live on that on that planet. They, they just I'm, loved the film so much. I'm surprised you even remember Avatar because to me, Avatar was like this amazing thing that happened and it was the biggest thing that we've ever seen before for five minutes. Yeah. But kind of disappeared. And I don't, I don't feel like, Ava like it's, you know, remained in the, you know, the collective conscience. Well, it was huge for a while. I think part of the problem, well, we've already got Dune Part 2 coming, right? It's mm. coming. They're working on it right now. Where was Avatar 2? You know what I mean? I think that's the reason. Mm. We had Avatar 1. It was a huge hit. And what are we? How many years later is it? I don't even know when Avatar so came So we out. only deal with franchises now. I just think people can't 
I, they can't wait a decade for part two. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when part two comes out, uh, people might jump straight back in again. Just, uh, just don't forget that Avatar, the big thing was uh, the 3D. Was a 3D movie. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That, that yeah. A big, big thing. Anyway. Yeah, that was interesting. The technology was like a real part of it. Hey, you know, for me, it didn't like it did that. That part of it didn't mean much to me, but I know it did to other people. What was done so well. Uh, th there's a lot of the same themes in Avatar. And I guess these are timeless stories, really, mm, mm. Of, of invaders and people who are, who are living off the land, indigenous people um, dealing with invaders. And um, there's always your, uh, what was it? in Pocahontas, was it John Smith? In Avatar, it was Jake Sully. And in this, it's Paul Atreides, who are, you know, your kind of thoughtful, in touch, leading <laughs> male who falls in love with the natives and um, yeah. ends up fighting against his own people and like teaming up with them. So Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, totally. Timeless. It's a timeless story. Timeless story. What I'd, I would like to talk more about pre-Denis. <laughs> oh, yeah, go for it. Sorry, I keep coming back to Denis. Yeah, well, because I've just done my research with other stuff. Are you familiar with Jodorowsky's Dune? Oh, is this the Bible? Alejandro um, Jodorowsky or Jodorowsky. Yeah, I am. I, probably not as much as you, but I know there was a Bible that was made that everybody basically treats as this is the holy grail of making a Bible for a film. Yes, and and it right. was it influenced Alien. It influenced a whole bunch of sci-fi films after it, and yet it was never made. Yeah, he he basically made the film, and you've got it all storyboarded, all the artwork. Yeah, um, Mick Jagger was going to be the Sting character. Wow, um, Dali was going to be the Emperor. Orson Welles was going to be Baron Harkonnen. Um, yep. So the, and the list the list goes on. Pink wow. Floyd were going to do the music. Oh, and that just, would have been incredible. And it didn't get across the line. Yeah. And it, this guy is a kind of surrealist, um, Renaissance man type type bloke who'd done some crazy films beforehand. Got this gig, didn't get funding, and then on the back of that, you know, a few years later, um, Lynch came along. Yeah. So you you, you watch Lynch's <laughs> version, and it's you know, crazy Lynchian, yeah. but really it owes a lot to this initial version of Dune. And yeah. I don't know why I'm saying all this other than backstory, but the, the current one is so different. It's, it's just, it's, it's yeah. like trying, it, it's a, it's a movie for the actual fans rather than its own piece of art somehow. Yeah. Gotcha. I was sure that that was going to be my next question. Like what does, how does that original Bible, mm. that vision for June line up with what Denise done is it's worlds apart. It's nothing, nothing like it. Yeah. I think that's good. Nothing like it at all. It's, it's a, just a surrealist mess of a artwork. Yeah. But, but great. However, apparently that Bible went around Hollywood for like 20 years. And everybody just would look at it and go, oh, my God, this is how you do this. This is how you create like a full vision for one of these big epic sci-fi pieces. Yeah, I think you're mm. right. And um, yeah. the would-be director, I think he, what he claims is that he, he got this 
cast of collaborators around him. Yeah. The ones I mentioned, but also the the artists and all that behind the scenes. And they went away and they created this great thing. Yeah. And then those collaborators went off and were working on some of these big, big, big films and introduced some of those characters and design yeah. um, into, into other films like Flash Gordon or Alien. So you can't have Ridley Scott's Alien without this Jodorowsky's Bible for June because, you know, I don't think you would have... I don't think you would end up with Ridley Scott going to Geiger to design his alien and have this whole kind of world created without some, you know, this Bible having circulated through through Hollywood and some of those ideas about, you know, artists collaborating in there, you know, yeah, coming to life. That's exactly right. I, I'd, yeah. I've forgotten the name Geiger, but yes, yeah, yeah he, he was part of the troupe yeah. of Jodorowsky as, as were others. And how good did that turn out? Alien. Alien. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we will never see Jodorowsky's Dune, but we've got Alien. Let's let's be happy about that. Yeah, look, I've 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 uh, been exploring the Alien series during the course of our relationship on this podcast. Absolutely. I'm not let's sure. Let's always call it a relationship. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just back on the cultural references. Yeah. Uh the one thing I think it was the only thing that just stood out as Mildly ridiculous on Denise's version. Okay, good. The bagpipes. Okay, I love. Talk to me about the bagpipes. The bagpipes were ridiculous, and I agree. That was the moment where I went, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is the whole Celtic thing. We're doing it. We're going all the way." And now it's Braveheart. Yeah, so that 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 <laughs> buys straight into your yeah. your comment before, doesn't it? I, I hadn't connected them at the time, but it was, I, I thought it jumped the shark a little bit with yeah. the bagpipes. But look, I tend to agree, and it yeah. became a it became a Hans Zimmer theme. I I don't know if you recall. So there was the moment they all they they go to June, the whole army where they're all like Atreides, Atreides, Atreides. They yeah. all walk off the ship, and the bagpipe goes first, right? And then that becomes a big theme. Yeah. And then later on in the film, when they're attacked by the Harkonnens in the middle of the night and uh, the Emperor's people, whatever they're called, mm. uh, and they all go running Sardaukar. out. Sardaukar. They all go running out with their swords, Braveheart style. That theme kicks in again. And, it's, and it was literally popped into my head. You can take our freedom, but you'll never <laughs> take our lives. Or you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom. Like I had that <laughs> playing in my head along with that music. So... Yeah. yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't see any of that. I only saw <laughs> bagpipes out of context. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, I agree that you. That's probably the one poor choice where you can you can lean on you can lean on the the culture have that whole Celtic culture thing mm. going through it without the, bringing the bagpipes. The bagpipes in. was one step too far. I agree. This is on Arrakis Dune desert planet in the <laughs> middle of some unknown galaxy. Yeah. And the bagpipes of all things have survived. Yes. All this time. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, um there's one thing that we haven't talked about yet. Cast. Uh, cast. The star-studded cast in Isn't this. it star-studded? Oh it's crazy. God. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go through them. Um, let's just riff on it. Like, who do we talk about first? Well, I think we should talk about them in some sort of order. Okay. So yeah. we've got the Atreides first. Okay. Timothy Chalamet. Yep. Who's Paul, the the, the hero? And your thoughts? 
great choice, I think. Um, he's just really cool at the moment. Like, it's just cool mm. to have Timothy Chalamet in, in, in your film. Is it? I don't know much of this. I'm, I'm too old for the cultural, the kids pop love cultural him. baggage. They the do. The kids love him. Okay, cool. He's got the whole skinny um, mm. rebel vibe going and, it, and it's working for him and he should stick with it because it's great. Do you think he's a bit wooden? Now, I don't say that as an absolute negative because uh, in many respects the whole movie is a little bit wooden, mm. but is he? Uh, yes, but I think it's okay. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where I landed. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I, but I agree with you. He is a bit, yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm hoping that, that, that he, there's, there's a journey ahead of us. We're going to see an arc with him. I think we will because yeah. I guess Kyle MacLachlan in the in the original, hardly the original. <laughs> um, he was also he he developed, didn't he? And, yeah. and they 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 become a messiah figure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. Yes, from what did we see her in? We saw her in Doctor Sleep. We spoke about her in Doctor Sleep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she was in The Greatest Showman and other things. She has come a long way from The Greatest Showman. I got to say. Anyway, she's Lady Jessica Trady's his mum. Mm. And then we've got Oscar Isaac playing his dad. I loved Oscar Isaac. Yeah. I always do, but I thought he was was really one of the things that held this together. Like he really has a presence. Nailed it. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, and in fact, well, let's just keep going through the list, but I think there's a theme with all of this mm. casting that really works for, for this, but it's it's also just a Denis thing that he does. Um, so their mates or their kind of help, yeah. whatever. Brilliantly cast, the mates. Yes. Let's go through them. Yes. Momoa. Momoa. Jason Momoa. I was more impressed. I was probably most impressed of all the cast by mm. Jason Momoa. And I always enjoy him. Yep. I felt that he just seen more an actor in this film. I agree. I think this is the best Momoa I've seen. Yes, absolutely. Yep. He was less just there for his body and the yep. sexiness and the brute force and 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 more just, you know, I was comfortable watching him. He he brought the only bit of I won't say levity because it's not a funny film, but he brought a bit of life to it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think since we saw Momoa first in Game of Thrones mm. and everyone was blown away but blown away by just his eyebrows and his, his, his biceps the sheer force of the man the specimenness mm. of him um i think coming he's come back around in a way mm. having gone through a full journey of just exploiting that specimenness to the full yeah and now he's sort of like this feels like this should have been the the film that came straight after game of thrones yeah and we're seeing what you know we're seeing a bit more of his humanity and um a little bit more nuance to him and it, it's it's great yeah yeah. And without the beard. I like him without the beard. You see more of his face. Isn't isn't that amazing? That's exactly mm. what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, you see him as just a, a man, a person, rather than a sex idol. Right. And I just couldn't help but think, as this guy ages, as he gets perhaps less obsessed with his body and everything and just becomes <laughs> yeah. more looking like a normal human being, yeah. uh, he, he could just become a really solid actor. Yeah. And... And not yep. cast just as the the brutish character, the brutish characters. Totally agree. Josh Brolin was the other mate, and so Jason Momoa was Duncan Idaho. Mm. Josh Brolin is Gurney Halleck. 
They're both cool names. Duncan Idaho, Duncan Idaho is a very cool name. Isn't it? And there's a couple references in the film, which I didn't really catch the first time around, but I did yeah. the second where the Harkonnens were saying, do we really want to attack House Atreides because they've got these two great war heroes hmm. training all of their soldiers? Yeah. So they're, they're, well, they're well respected. They're, they're f- formidable because mm. you've got, yeah, yeah, um, Jace Momoa. And what's his name? Um, uh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah. And both with real presence. Yeah. And I don't want to come back to the Lynch one too often, but you compare it to the Lynch one and you've got Patrick Stewart right. as um, the Josh Brolin character, I think. Okay. Which is which is fine, but yeah. and I like I like Patrick Stewart. Yeah. But um I thought Josh Brolin gives 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 a truer performance. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um and Josh Josh Brolin was in um Sicario. Mm. He's worked with Denis before. I thought thought he was a solid choice. There were a couple of moments where I thought he was a little OTT. Was, well he is OTT. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why you cast him because you obviously want that yes. to begin with. True. And I think he delivered. Yeah. But in Sicario, I, I never felt that with him. Okay. I felt like a perfect, pitch perfect performance in that. This th- There was a couple kind of yelly moments in this film that I thought, you know, mm. do you need to yell right now? Dude, it's a bit much. But I, re- I reckon he was told to yell. I'm sure he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, actually, and actually, um, uh, Batista has the same thing. He has some yelly moments in this in this film as well. Batista, I can't work out, man. I think yeah. I think it's because the music was too loud. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were aware that that yeah, there was going to be a scoring it issue. It was Brolin versus Zimmer. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Who won, Sal? Brolin or Zimmer? Unfortunately, Zimmer. Unfortunately, mm. there was a moment when I really thought I would not. I would like not having music. <laughs> a specific moment? Uh, most at the beginning. Mm. Most of the beginning. A little less wall-to-wall scoring. Yeah, yeah, like you are introducing each characters, and mm. I don't want to hear the music. I want to hear them. I want to embrace them. No. Yeah. But for the, the how big and grand the world is, don't you need like a powerfully large score mm. yeah i think you could argue for that for sure um or, sure, at think... or at least moments where it yeah. gets large yeah um you know zimmer is sort of known for for scoring the hell out of a film um yeah it's a good question i need to see it a third time now <laughs> to make a call on if that I, if i have to say in terms of uh first you know, impression, uh, I think uh, too much it was music. too much. It yeah. A mm. couple last ones because this is a big cast. We've got Stellan Skarsgård. Yep. The elder Skarsgård who plays the Baron. I think a very good casting choice. What yeah. Yeah, it's just solid. Solid. Yep. He's Be- great better actor. than Lynch's one. Um, not better, but that was... What? I keep on coming back to Lynch. I am a Lynchian. Yeah, you love Lynch. Yeah, I love and, him. I love him. And then we've got Dave Batista. We've already talked about him. Yeah. Javier Bardem as one as as one of the leaders of the Fremen. Is is it unusual that I found him almost unrecognisable? It, it is interesting that he wasn't easy to... I mean, you recognise him, right? But you don't straight away think Javier. Well, like, I didn't at first. 
like it took yeah. me, it took me a, a second. And and that, but that's unusual because he is one of the most recognised, recognizable yeah. faces yeah. in the history of faces. He's got a great look about him, and yeah. yet I didn't quite pick him straight yeah. off, which I just find head cover, hair covered, yeah. blue eyes, you know, a beard. Mm. I think there was a bit of that going on as well. Jeezy's a good choice, though. He's a oh, powerful great. looking man, and just what a presence! Just what a presence! And he injected the the Fremens with that toughness, that the scariness that they needed. Yeah. Um, especially to make that sort of fake ending of the film have any resonance at all. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and then Zendaya, the other Fremen that was is probably like a major character. Um, Zendaya, I think, is a, a star and she's amazing. You know, I just I love watching her in, in all sorts of things. I don't think I've seen anything with her in it ever. Yeah. Uh, so this is my first, my introduction to Zendaya and like, you know, I could – pause on her face for half mm. an hour yeah. uh, um, clearly she's going to have a, a, a bigger role in the second film but she's she's well cast because you faces are so important and you, you need someone who just makes an impact on you yep actually you know the way i mentioned um that rebecca ferguson was mm. in the greatest showman yes zendaya was in the greatest showman and she too has come a long way since that oh, film. wow like we were saying with momoa she's just going to keep getting better as well she's so young Zendaya yeah. is in uh, Euphoria. 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 That's ah, the show. There you go. Okay. What a classic. It's such a good like show. You like Euphoria, don't you? I haven't oh, seen it. I loved it. I thought it was so good. Season two is coming out Give soon. Give it a crack. I think overall a great cast. And mm. and the thing I was going to say about Denis uh, and his casting choices in general, and it's really apparent in this film, he doesn't just choose people who are who are, are solid with the craft, good actors. Mm. He chooses people that have a look. And a presence. Yeah. This entire cast, they're all kind of stars on that level. Like you could put any of them in a leading role in any film and you'd be you'd be like, yeah, that's a great choice. You know, it's like, um, and it's just all of them. You just want to look at all of them all day. Completely agree. Yeah. Like you, you, you're actually looking at them as works of art, aren't you? They're yeah. looking at the, 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 the actors. I wonder if there's any negatives... To, to this film like what did you yeah did you do you have criticisms yeah so let's talk about the ending a bit shall we mm. then okay i was reminded a little bit mm. of eternals two episodes ago we talked about eternals, eternals was one of mine <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk eternals it's and, fresh and i was reminded specifically about sal saying yeah you need that film to set it up and mm. how we had some reservations about where this thing was going yeah and i feel that again, this is a a little bit of a setup film. Yeah, it's a little bit like another thing that I was reminded of, the Lord of the Rings. Yep, and you've got the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, it's a bit of a setup film. You know, it's a solid film in itself, but you know, you don't get to the end of Fellowship and go, "Well, I didn't anyway," and just be like, "Wow, what a what an amazing." you know, story that has a complete arc and is told beautifully yep. and left me feeling really great. You've just you, got the context. Yeah. You kind of know you need to wait for the next one for the, mm. ju- you know, for like Helm's Deep to happen and all that. So you know, that's what you're waiting for. And I feel like that's what we're getting a little bit of here. So it's a necessary thing on some level, knowing mm. there's more to come, but it's a little disappointing when you get to the end. It just sort of ends. 
Completely, completely agree. Mm. And I completely also forgive it that sin, yeah. but would have liked to have known just so I can prepare myself. Okay, this is a setup film. I think, I think you know, one way you could have fixed it. So, and, and I mentioned Fellowship of the Ring because actually I should give it a lot more credit than what I just did. It's actually pretty great. And one of the things that. It's got Vigo. Anything with Vigo more tension in yeah. it is great. One of the things that, that Peter Jackson did so well with each of those films is there is a complete arc within them. And so even though Fellowship kind of is the least exciting and the least complete of the three films, mm. you've still got that epic battle at the end. You have that in June, but the battle the battle at the end feels like, you know, it's coming. You, mm. You're expecting it and it feels like it's going to be, It's you feel that dread building throughout like half the film as they're being chased. And when it happens, it lasts for like 20 minutes and, you know, you love every second of it. Um, this doesn't quite go there. It's, it's got, it's got some of those elements, but it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that huge climax that makes it feel like a complete film. It might be sign of the time. If you see Netflix series, mm. They all finish the episode that you want to see more. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a trend. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, we're more accustomed to that style, aren't we? And I think it will likely, as long as the second one is good, it will age well because I'm imagining, yeah. you know, like a double feature at the Astor Cinema here in Melbourne, oh, yeah. for example, where, you know, they love that sort of stuff. Uh, and you'll, I think the, 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 the viewing experience in the future will be to see it all as one thing. Mm. So yeah. so it'll, you know, you'll just have your popcorn after, you know, part one. Yeah. And um and then come back after the intermission. You know how many times I've seen the the extended cuts of the Lord of the Rings? All three of them. What is that, like twelve really? hours worth of Lord wow. of the Rings? I've done that a, at least five times. So, you know, when there's June two out, I'm gonna be watching the two of them back to back for sure. No, no, no problems whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and will there be two or three? I don't know. What well, are we looking at? Well, yeah, that's there's that's just a, no. There's yeah, no the, clue, is there? This is what I would have liked to have known. Okay, this is part one of the first book, right? And then whether they they go on from there, you know, there's material, and they may or may not, depending on whether it's a success. Yeah. But when I saw part one, I thought, well, well maybe this this means it's book one. It's the mm. first book. Part two will be the second book. Mm. Um, so that, that was just confusing. I've got a couple feelings about that. Like, I don't mind the idea of there being two or three of them, mm. but I'm a little upset about the idea of Denis being trapped in June for like, whatever, seven, eight, nine years. Like I just... No, he won't be. He'll do the yeah. second one and then they'll get David Lynch to, <laughs> to, 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 to the God next damn. one. And then look at um, Jodorowsky or whatever his name is. Yeah, because he's too, he's, too he's too much of a visionary. Like, make yeah. this film, make something else next. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I hope for him anyway. Maybe it's for Michael, my own Michael selfish Bay. reasons. Michael Bay can, can take <laughs> he can it over. can do June 3. Oh, my God. <laughs> damn. Hey, you made a... A really good point, I think, or it made me made me think to say about that final battle sequence, yeah, and how it was anticlimactic and it didn't, you know, it wasn't a Lord of the Rings finale, mm, yeah. But it just made me think it could have been. I think it could. Like have it been. could easily have been. All all he'd have to have done was sow a little bit more 
uncertainty and distrust about the Fremens and make them the sort of almost, not the enemy, but the unknown, unknown, unknown quantity and then have this massive battle at the end yeah. where, you know, it's all kind of resolved. But it, it wasn't done that, you know, crazily, but it could have been. Makes me think yeah. that the choice to make it part one and part two might not have been an intentional part of how they started out. Yeah. And then they've cut it as it, two films. It could be that he shot six hours of, of June and went, oh. Yeah, what do I do with this? What do I do with this now? <laughs> Which has happened before. You know, yeah. actually, you you know, okay, let's let's pretend that we're, we're screenwriters on this and we're just going to work on We're going to, well, actually. Okay, we'll try and solve the problems. Yeah. So, which is terrible, but let's do it anyway. I think you could have gone along the lines of what you're saying. You could have you could have had Paul mm. fight the Fremen before the big battle at the end, right? Mm. I know Momoa was still there and you got to lose him in that big battle. Um, but if you had that happen first and then ended with the big battle where all of those uh, emperor soldiers come in, um, that would have given you that big climactic end battle and you would have had him sort of join the Fremen but it'd be uneasy and, you know, you, you, you're just thinking, oh, he's in, but then they get attacked by all these soldiers mm. and it's a huge epic battle towards the end and the last thing you see is the few survivors, including Zendaya, Momoa's dead, um, you know, and now Paul and his mum are part of this group, like going off into the desert. You could have maybe flipped things around and then you would have had that arc that I think you get you kind of expect for a film like this. Solved. Yeah. Solved. There we go. Yep. Done. <laughs> Too late. But it's, it's almost as though... Um, <laughs> and also, we're not the people to solve these things, but hey. No, we're not. But I think it, it's almost... Uh, Denis, I feel uncomfortable calling Denis all the time. Let's I don't do it. call Lynch David. I call him Lynch. <laughs> but because I, David's too... Just, David's... But Denis, yep. it is yeah. fun to say. Yeah. So let's run with it. Um, he's almost been captive to his own fidelity to... The book. Yeah. So he's doing everything by the book. Yeah. Literally. And therefore can't entertain, you know, corrupting it with some Hollywood ending for yeah. part one. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you, you're probably right. That brings me, one point I want to, wanted to make, I brought a prop. Oh. Um, uh, an old professor of mine wrote this book called Novel to Film. Oh, wow. Yeah, Novel to film. Brian McFarlane. Brian McFarlane. Um, he was a ripper and he taught me everything <laughs> I know about adaptation, whether it be from, you cool. know. Um, Have you actually read the book back to, I've, no, I've front read, to back? I've read the book front to back. More than once? Not more than once, but That's it's fine. a ripper. I was just thinking of this all the way through, how well Denis just captures both the both the plot, but also all those little mm. subtextual yeah. things. All through the movie, I just see how beautifully he's capturing every aspect of the novel. Absolutely. And there's thousands and thousands of choices in such a big, dense book yeah. like this. It's so loved that you have to just, you know, really rack your brains over and try and find the best way to adapt it. But yeah, plot, Tough job. character, yeah. just every small thing he seems to have got in there. Yeah. And that, to bring it back to the ending of the part one. Yeah. The fact that he's so faithful to it means that he just couldn't bring himself to, to have a Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Ending. 
And yeah, it is a Hollywood film. Well, I think we've talked about cast a lot. We've talked about music quite a lot. I just, I guess, I just wanted to say Hans Zimmer did do his usual overscoring. However, um, you know, I got a good sense of uh, of Denise his filter on this. I suppose mm. had a little bit of a rival in there. Mm. Um, definitely had some Interstellar from from you know Hans's previous sci-fi stuff mm. um but then also um I was getting little bits of um like Gladiator and and uh Kingdom of Heaven and all this like from the vocals that was going on the whole Middle Eastern vocal vibe what did you think of the score in general um look I, I didn't take it in all that much other than the fact that it was very powerful and sometimes overwhelming mm. but I, I i didn't mind that so much because it was usually coupled with overwhelming visuals yeah as as well like there was there's a scene when the thropter like the mosquito yeah. helicopter beautiful design was, by the way yeah yeah isn't yeah. it yeah. yeah they're great uh but i think when they were crash landing was it yeah and you felt like you were in that machine and that yeah. was coupled with some I'm not sure if it was Zimmer or just sort of sound effect, but it was definitely an overwhelming experience visually and and um, and or, or, orally. <laughs> What's the word? Orally. 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 <laughs> Something like that. It's funny once you've had a couple of drinks, you you do lose the capacity to speak, don't you? Yep. Shouldn't be doing a podcast drunk. Oh uh, well, that's what we do every time. Yeah. So we've <laughs> missed the boat on that one. Um, have you got any other? Uh, references because I think I've worked all of mine in to the previous yep. discussion. Do you have any extras that you want to throw in? Nothing that's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Um, but I think we'd be crazy not to mention Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and if you just look at and, and you know, what's referencing what here because Star Wars really, I think, owes it a lot of itself yeah. to Frank Herbert. When did Frank Herbert write June? In the sixties, in the sixties, in the sixties, okay. and then so similar similar time that Star Wars was coming out around a similar time as June, right? Sixties, right? Well, no, Frank Herbert predates Star Wars, yeah, definitely. And yeah. when you look at things like um, the Force in Star Wars versus the voice mm. in in June, yeah, when you think of you know arid landscapes and a, a sort of a white messiah hero. Yeah. True. Uh, Skywalker versus Paul Atreides. Yep. Um and and just this the you know the humanoids in in a galactic political yeah situation. Like there's so much similarity and I think it's you know it's a, it's a shame in a way. I think there could be two two ways sci-fi could have gone. Could have gone Star Wars, it could have gone Dune. Yeah. And it went Star Wars. Yeah, totally. Don't you think that the um, Atreides, House Atreides ships, the big sort of wedge-like ships looked a bit like the um, the sand, what are they called? The little sand people in Star Wars. They've got that giant, almost the same shape, but it like trundles along. On I the, think Sal might, I, I don't know, but uh, Sal might. I, I understand which one you reference. Is the... 
Sand people? No. Sand people? Sand people. Is this the sand people? I don't know. I know the sand people. I don't know what their the ships look ones. like. The yeah, the little ones. Yeah. Or oh, the Ewoks? Nah, not the Ewoks. No. The other little ones. Um, okay. But anyway, there's similar shapes going on. Uh, and I thought that was interesting. Definitely Star Wars. Big theme. Yeah, but better acted. Yeah. <laughs> which one's which one's better acted? June. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's one point for June. I'll <laughs> I'll I'll just make a you know devil's advocate yeah. comment about the Star Wars versus June, you know, um worlds and compare it to DC Marvel, which we've talked about a lot in recent yeah. times and and also Eternal specifically. Yeah. So Star Wars, like Marvel, is full of humor. You know, they take every opportunity to crack a joke. Correct. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And DC often, like Eternals, well, they had a few attempts at humor, but for the most part, they play it pretty straight. So Dune felt very DC versus a Star Wars that's more Marvel. Yeah. Okay. Is that a, is that a completely ludicrous observation? I think it's a little ludicrous, but I'm. <laughs> I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, June is to Star Wars as DC is to Marvel. Okay, is my point. Yes, yes, related but di- totally different approaches. To- totally different yeah. approaches, and yeah. and mainly with respect to the seriousness with mm. which they treat oh, yeah. their subject. And this film does take itself very seriously. I think yeah. Denis is very, very serious about yeah. his sci-fi. He's playing it straight yeah. all the time. Yeah, which if you've read the books, I like that. Yeah. I like it. I think we've sort of covered this, but just there's a lot in the books about the dreams of June and the calling of June mm. to Paul Atreides that comes through in the in the movie. I can remember that really strongly from the books. He's being called there. One of the things in all of Denis' films is a really strong sense of this call to destiny mm. and or like a fated destiny for his lead characters they all have it like if you think about if you think about like um sicario uh and blade runner um and even arrival like you've got these strong these strong characters strong intelligent people who are living their lives and they're suddenly pulled into this world that is really uncertain and you can almost see that everything is pulling them towards this fate that they can't really escape. And like, it's just a, I think it's, it's just a theme that he seems to, to enjoy and he does it so well. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a really powerful ability, isn't it? Mm. To, to, to feel pulled by a narrative. Yeah. You know, that's what yep. we all try to do to get you in and you just can't help yourself to, to be caught in the, yeah. Black hole of the of the narrative. I can't wait for June too, honestly. While I found the ending a little frustrating, it's mm. set up so much and watching it a second time really confirmed that for me. Yeah. Like everything in there felt purposeful. It felt like we were heading towards something that's yeah. going to be great. And I think the second film's going to be like a complete blast. It's going to be awesome. Release yep. date, 20th October, 2023. 23? Yeah, Oh, come off it. Two years. Two years. Okay. He's got some shooting to do. That just throws (laughs) my idea that maybe they did it all in one go and didn't expect to do it in two shots out the window. So, I don't know. So, that was an intentional ending. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, I've got one just last 
kind of reference, and it's it's as much about the the book Dune, which which I read recently just for my props. That's a nice looking cover too. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Soon to be a major motion picture, so that's a bit old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reference is Cervantes, who oh, I I've ref- I've said recently that I'm reading yeah. Don Quixote. Yeah. Um, that novel has mini stories within it, and one's called what's it called the um, the tale of inappropriate curiosity, and it. Oh, I this, love that. That's it, great. Isn't that a great? Yeah. So there's these little little stories within the story. Yeah. And and this story is about <laughs> this bloke who he's married to this this woman. They love each other, but he he's not confident about her love unless he tests it. So he gets his best best mate, who's called Lothario, which is where the the term Lothario about a womanizer comes from. Yeah, um, to seduce his wife, in order to test her, and then and then what what happens is he tries to he doesn't want to seduce her. He then eventually gives in and seduces her. She falls for it, and then Lothario and the wife then are keeping a secret from the guy who initially wanted you know wanted it to happen. And all these games within games within games, and I love it. I was reminded just so much in reading June about that because it's Duke Leto and Jessica uh, have that sort of thing going where they're not telling each other the truth, mm-hmm. um, and there's there's so much thought goes in, and you see all the characters, you know, inner inner thoughts, yeah, and all the secrets they're keeping from each other made me think about. Cervantes, Don Quixote, uh, The Tale of Inappropriate Curiosity. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's great. <laughs> That's a long-winded one, but but that was probably my main cool. reference, actually. And the um, the political stuff going on between all the players in this film, uh, there's, there's a lot of it, and mm. it's complicated, and it, and it actually reminded me of Game of Thrones quite a lot as well. That was the other thing that I thought of. Yeah, it in, does. On that level. And I think Denis does a good... A good job of it, and a, a different job to say Lynch, who often shows uh, you you hear the the inner thoughts of the characters in his in his film. Yeah, you don't do that so much, if at all, with with this version. So everything's you know nothing's um, handed to you on a plate as far as their inner thoughts. Yeah. So he has to actually show that in some sort of some sort of action. Some might argue that hearing the inner thoughts is kind of lazy writing. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I have similar thoughts to that about narration mm. in general. Yeah. So I know it's unpopular to have narration or to lean on inner thoughts just being voiceovered. Yeah. Uh but I don't know. I I like scripts and the writing part of it. So if if I, I think if something if it needs, works, it needs works. to be said. Yeah. I've got no problem. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, particularly with narration, I think you know. There's if, if it's great good, if it's good narration, narration yeah, why not? Why not? Right? Yeah. Are oh, we done? I think we're done. There's more. There's way more we could say about this film, but like you know, you got to stop somewhere. Okay. Well, we'll right. see you in two years. Yep. See you in two years, Doc, for June part two. See your audience. Yeah. See Subscribe, folks. like, share. <laughs> <laughs>